Alright, welcome back to another episode of Clearing Corners. I'm Matt here with Cam, as always. And we have somebody that we haven't seen for a little bit. Chris, welcome back. Thanks for having me. There's been a lot of talk about you lately. (laughs) Maybe within the last few episodes. Jared may or may not have mentioned you. I heard. I heard. I know you did because you listen to the show. I listen to the show. And uh, let me clear the air on this. So there was some talk about maybe you guys bring it on a regular third, right? And you'd had Jared on the show. You'd had me on the show. So I challenged him to a fight. I said I'd fight him for the spot. And uh, I don't know if that was a good idea. No, just, no, no, not a good idea at all. Uh, in jest, now right? it's getting it's all in jest. It, it's being talked about on pay-per-view, right? Uh, don't buy that one. Uh, spoiler alert, it's going to end in less than three. No, that's why it's going to be fantastic. Exclusive <laughs> rights. We're going to put it out there one of these days. I think, what did Jerry... What did Jared say? That there was going to be furniture thrown? Isn't that what he yeah, said? Yeah, I don't know. But with what Chris is saying, ending in less than three, he had mentioned before the show that he was going to take Jared out in less than three. <laughs> I'm, I will tell all of you right now that is not going to happen. <laughs> I will tell you right now that's not going to happen. We're going we're gonna, to another day, right? Another day, exclusive rights. One of these days, we're going to get it on video. It's going to be fantastic. <laughs> It'll be three uh, seconds. It just won't be what you thought was going to be three seconds. No, no. We're going to switch things up a little bit and bring you some current events. Uh, we want you to be updated and knowledgeable in terms of law enforcement news uh, across the nation. Uh, recent incident which occurred in Phoenix, Arizona. Phoenix PD responded to a domestic dispute. Now, the female, uh, female caller called in requesting to meet with officers and gave details of a domestic violence incident that she had uh, with her boyfriend. But she didn't want them to come to the house, and she said, I'd feel more comfortable meeting you, and, and it was uh, arranged to meet the officers at a nearby convenience store. Well, she met up with officers and um while one of the officers was taking the statement, the suspect arrived and opened fire on uh, the primary officer, the one that was taking the statement from the female. There was backup there, and backup immediately returned fire. Unfortunately, the, the primary investigating officer was struck. The backup officer did what uh, he was supposed to and returned fire. Um, three-day manhunt went on, and they were able to apprehend the suspect. We're very thankful for that. Uh, the officer that was struck was taken to the hospital by ambulance with uh, other patrol units following the ambulance, and, and I believe she went into surgery and was uh, initially listed as being in critical condition. Fortunately, they upgraded that to stable, and, and she is going to be all right. 24-year veteran of the force, and... Uh, just very, very thankful. Officer yeah. Jones, hope, hopefully you're doing better. Uh, brothers and sisters with Phoenix PD, uh, thoughts and prayers go out to you. Um, just a good reminder, always have your head on a swivel. 
Uh, just because you don't respond to an incident scene, just because the domestic violence incident happened at a house and you're meeting the alleged victim at a different location doesn't mean that you can let your guard down. Absolutely. And I'm not saying that the Phoenix officers did that. This is just a good reminder. Well, whatever it is, political climate, uh, whatever it might be, um, the FBI director... Uh, Ray did a 60-minute interview, and he was talking about uh, recent statistics with officer-involved shootings, uh, line-of-duty deaths. Um, and he mentioned that uh, April 1st of this year marks 101 officers shot in the line of duty just this year alone. Uh, last year, there were... So many. Oh, I, I can't remember. I've got to pull it up, but... Um, the number of officers that were killed in the line of duty, either by gunfire or ambush, was up 73% last year alone. Obviously, this year is looking to outpace that year. So if you wear a uniform, be safe. Keep your head on a swivel. Yep. Phoenix PD has been hitting some headlines lately. They had that yeah. massive one at the beginning of the year. And I don't doubt that. I'm sure they dealt with this correctly backup officer and stuff like that but it, it is a good reminder we talked about in the last episode or two about trying to deal with stuff ourselves. can you imagine if she was by herself oh that, man that primary yeah. officer that's a bad day right yeah there there could have been uh two fatalities and you're talking the victim and and the officer right um could just be a bad day and like i said we're we're, we're not saying at all that phoenix pd didn't handle this correctly i i have uh family members, as well as very, very good friends that work for the department, very squared away department. And again, our thoughts, prayers go out to them. Yep. I'm glad that she's doing better. 24-year veteran of the force. I mean, you're, you're talking a lot of years that this uh, officer has put in for her city, for her department. Her husband is, is a member of Phoenix PD, it's just a law enforcement family. And I have no doubt that she has served her community very, very honorably and well throughout the years. Yeah. Um, get better soon. Absolutely. Switching gears a little bit. This one comes out of Utah. This one hurts a little bit. Actually, a lot of bit. Yeah. Uh, this one has made the news, and, and when I see things like this, my stomach turns. Makes you angry. It makes me extremely angry, especially for what uh, Cam and I were partners with in investigations and what I investigated for almost six years. But a, a Utah Highway Patrol trooper was recently charged with sexually abusing children. Um, this one comes out of Monticello, Utah, a Utah Highway Patrol trooper, and this is reported by KSL.com, turned himself in on Friday after he was accused of sexual abuse and exposing himself to children. Brian Bruce Adams, 45, of Monticello, was charged Thursday in San Juan County 7th District Court with two counts of aggravated sexual abuse of a child, both a first-degree felony, uh, two counts of forcible sexual abuse, a second-degree felony, and two counts of lewdness involving a child, a Class A misdemeanor. This one is so infuriating um, for more reasons than just because he, he wears a badge. I mean, th this is something that I have a passion for investigating, but a passion against. Mm -hmm. And it's not just because this individual had a badge, but how terrible and how... Um, when you look at the situation, it, it just kind of escalates your heartbeat, knowing that it was a badge. 
that who knows what the circumstances are. I don't know the entirety of, of the investigation and, and all the nitty gritty details. We know about as much as what's been reported in this news article. But to sit there and have your mind go, what type of position of trust did this individual have over these kids? It just makes my stomach turn. I, I hate it. Absolutely. Well, the key word you said is position of uh, special trust. You know, that, that badge, another term for it, it's a shield. You know, you have like that thin blue line, that, that line between order and chaos, and that shield is supposed to, you know, protect people from behind there. And one of the things that's obviously behind us that we're trying to protect is those kids. And, yeah, uh, yeah that's a rough one right there. Yeah, when you're supposed to be a protector, and I'll use that term loosely with a trooper. I'm just, I'm just kidding. I see what you did Parking there. tickets are needed. <laughs> I, see, I see. Stop it. Come on, man. <laughs> Every single hey. trooper that's listening, you know what I mean? Come, we all have a role. Come on, we all do it well, like. Just, you know, love throwing some uh, a little bit of shade out there towards our trooper uh, brothers in blue. But, um, no, I mean, you wear a uniform, you wear that shield, you wear that badge, like you said, Cam. You're supposed to be a protector. You're supposed to be, like, somebody that can be trusted. Like, you know, if something happens, like, people turn to us right. to, to fix and solve those problems and protect them in those times of need. And here you've destroyed that. Um, I just think about those victims and, you know, what they're going to have to go through, you know, moving forward in life to get over that and gain that trust back. Like, it's not going to be something easy that they're going to be able to turn and see a police officer and, and have that trust in that police officer because uh, of what this always, guy did. Yeah, exactly. And Cam and I have talked about this multiple times in past episodes. And one of the reasons that we started this podcast, this show was for clarity, for uh, transparency, for truth. There's so much muddied information out there. We want people to know that this is, this is our mindset. This is our story. This is our viewpoint with any given situation. And anytime that we hear news like this, it almost, it, it's like one step forward, 10 steps back, mm -hmm. you know, um, even though on a day in and day out basis, we know that there's law enforcement officers out there doing great, great things. But when things like things like this hit the news, ten steps back, yeah, and it just it pisses me off. It infuriates me that the badge was associated with something like this. Yep. But jumping right into what we're going to be talking about today, uh, more news in the nation. But this one we wanted to delve in a little bit deeper. And this one comes off of the East Coast. We're going to play a clip here. And then we'll jump right into what we are going to be talking about. People do not feel safe at this moment. We have a crisis. Baltimore has come to see more than 300 people killed for seven years in a row. And as 2021 winds down, the crime numbers paint a deadly and violent picture. All this week, Fox 45 News is going around Baltimore, shedding light on how the crime crisis is affecting residents. Fox 45's Mackenzie Frost digging into the data district by district. Yeah, Mary, so far this year, nearly 340 people have been killed in Baltimore. Aggravated assaults, rapes, carjackings, all up compared to this time last year. Tonight, I look at the crime data in three Baltimore City Council districts where some people are saying this crime and violence has to stop. 
Baltimore City seeing the end of another tragic year as homicides rise, lives cut short, other crimes are rising too. In District 1, situated in the heart of the city with Fells Point included, an historic community historically known as safe. The community rocked this summer when lawlessness and chaos erupting. We thought 2020 was a challenge. 2021 really brought it. Sparking some business owners threatening to withhold city taxes until the police enforced the laws on the books and restored other basic city services like trash collection. I hope moving forward that everyone on both sides understand that this needs to be a priority. Claudia Tolls lives in the district and used to own a small business downtown. She says she doesn't feel the leadership is listening. The answer is emphatically no. The data shows the problems. Nearly 2,500 violent crimes reported in the district this year ranked third highest in the entire city. I hope that people wake up. I hope that people hold uh, their elected officials accountable. In the next district over, District 2, nearly 490 aggravated assaults have been reported this year. The district, stretching from just north of Highland Town to the northeast corner of Baltimore, has the 10th highest homicides, carjackings, and shootings. People in the second district is not that that secured, that safety. Bishop Angel Nunez lives and works in the district. People are looking around and saying, who is going to help us? It's a good question, right? Who's going to help us? You know, there is a way to change that. And uh, yeah, that was crazy. Elections, people. Elections. And and that's one of the things we're going to be talking about. But I mean, let's jump right into it. This Fox 45 out of out of Baltimore. Great reporting on that. And and I appreciate them putting this information out and interviewing some of the people that are dealing with this violence within their districts. Um, Here's a little quote that came out from Commissioner Michael Harrison with all of this reporting of the violence and the the crime spike that's occurred. I mean, this, this isn't just Baltimore, but Baltimore has been one of the really, really, really bad spikes. I mean, they've been bad for a long time, but don't, let's not twist it. It's been, really bad, and the spike has gone up. It says, those who commit these violent acts, again, this is Commissioner Michael Harris Harrison, will be held accountable, and we will use all resources at our disposal. And he goes on, the, the quote continues, all resources at their disposal. And here's what we're going to be opening up, and I think this is a good discussion, because there, there's a lot of arms and legs to this one. And it's not as as plain and simple as what people think. But recently, Baltimore police, the city, I shouldn't just say the police uh, department, because I don't think that the police department was a part of this decision. Starts with the mayor's office. Starts with the mayor's office, Mm -hmm. yeah. But the Baltimore police are eliminating police positions and hiring civilian investigators. You heard that right. (laughs) You, You heard that right. They are eliminating police positions hiring civilians to investigate. More specifically, like homicide, everything they just listed that is up in Baltimore, homicide detectives, those types of, those yeah. are the positions. Yeah, there's a lot of them that are going to be eliminated. Now, within the particular uh, the Police Tribune article that I'll be referring to, they, they mention that there was a $5 million program as part of the mayor's five-year plan 
Baltimore Mayor Brandon Scott announced plans to launch a 35-person civilian investigative corps to help Baltimore police detectives solve low-level crimes. This is where it's going to get interesting, though, and this is where the arms and legs branch out. Mm-hmm. Because it just, it, this isn't additional. This, this, no. I want everyone to know, this is not, hey, that sounds actually really good. That almost sounds like you have people at desk, uh, desks that are going to be able to, to look up uh, crime patterns throughout the city and where bodies are going to be placed and things like that. That is absolutely accurate. And, and these civilian positions are going to be able to help with that. And in addition to these quote unquote low, low level crimes, but this is where it's smoke and mirrors. And this is what I want to bring to the forefront. And then there's going to be a discussion, good and bad here, but this just, this is not an additional 35 person civilian core. This 35 person civilian program is going to be at the expense of eliminating 30 vacant sworn police officer positions. See that I don't like that. And the whole idea of like hiring civilians to, to, to look into low level crimes, doing some analytical work. Cause I mean, analysts have their place in police work. They, they can do some amazing stuff in, in especially with investigations and complex investigations. But when you start eliminating sworn positions to, to bring on these civilian investigators, you, your, your crime is going to continue to spike. Bottom that's, line. That's accurate. And, and delving a little deeper and let's jump into that real quick. For everybody who doesn't know 35. Okay. You have 30 vacant sworn police officer positions that are available. Now you were choosing not to put a badge back on 30 people and instead go with this. I'm going to be outside the box thinking and hire 35. But what the general public needs to understand is that is not going to replace the 30 abled bodies to be out on the street. This is where departments have to think outside the box and not just let city officials make these decisions. I mean, I have no doubt that Baltimore uh, PD officials tried to fight against this. I have no doubt. But for city officials to come to the conclusion that 35 civilian positions, which they're not going to be on the street, which means they're going to be at a desk. How does that hit their brain and say, this is a really good idea to have 35 administrative positions that's going to make up for 30 sworn officers that you could actually put out on the street to help with low-level crime and violent crimes, for that matter. When you look at it, I can only... I mean, obviously, I'm not there. I don't have all the details, but it sounds like they have 30 vacant positions already, right? So they're already struggling to fill those positions. And they're probably understaffed. Now, keep in mind, 30 isn't like, hey, we're fully maxed out. They're probably still understaffed out on the streets, and yet they're still not going to fill these 30. So playing devil's advocate here, I can see what the city's trying to do by looking at other avenues to fill positions to get a need. And like I said, civilians have a place in police work. They can do some amazing things. But you're being rocked by record number of violent crime. Okay, 
violent crime. Which was the point of me. These civilian investigators are not going to be investigating your violent crime problem. Right. Now, granted, I'm sure your your low level theft, your petty thefts, your your grand larcenies, your, your stuff that these these civilian investigators can look into is skyrocketing as well because all crime is. But your violent crime is what's your biggest problem, and they can't do anything for you there. Now, like I said, playing devil's advocate, I get it because it's like, well, we can't fill those positions with sworn individuals. We can't find people that want to be police officers. Well, you got a bigger problem, and that's not just in Baltimore. That's that's nationwide. Law enforcement in general has felt this for for several years now that that we don't feel appreciated. We don't feel that we um, that that people care about who we are as mm-hmm. individuals, right? The whole defund the police movement. Um, if I'm a college kid looking for a career, and this is what I'm hearing, and this is what I'm seeing, and this is what I'm being preached to on social media and in my woke classes in college, last thing I want to do is sign up to be a police officer. And so there, there's bigger things at play here, but this isn't going to solve your crime problem. No, and going back to the defund the police thing, that's in the beginning when I said it's smoke and mirrors, that's exactly what they're doing. And, and that's what I wanted to bring as the truth. Now there's different levels to this. This type of hire civilian uh, investigators to assist departments is not a new concept. No, absolutely this not. Is, this is used. We want the general public to know and all of our listeners to know this is not brand new. The way they're using it yeah. in, in lieu of 30 sworn positions is brand new and that in and of itself is a defund the police movement yeah to put my plug in on this first i'm a big believer in civilians being hired to do work that doesn't need to be done by a police officer some examples is the person sitting at the front desk when people come into police departments a lot of times public information officers can just be a liaison for media um, budget type stuff all of those those don't need to be filled by sworn officers and civilians can probably do a much better job at a lower cost. It's not that we're saying police officers should get paid more. It's the fact that when you hire a police officer, for those of you who don't know, when a city hires a police officer, they have to hire based off of their pay, their benefits, a car, computer, everything, their training, all of that has to go into that. So it costs a lot more than what you see an officer costs. So in, in that aspect where you see 30 officer vacant spots being taken away and 35 civilian positions put in there, so you understand where we're kind of talking about where that's more of a defunding type aspect is you're taking all of that away from the police department. That's no longer a spot that can get filled. So this actually got passed April. Um, this, this concept, Baltimore announced it in April. Phoenix PD announced in March that they were going to do a similar plan, but it's to add onto their civilian staff. It's exactly. not to take exactly. away sworn positions. They added 25 civilian investigators. And for those of you who don't know, kind of what Chris mentioned is a lot of these little crimes are probably not even being addressed right? with the amount of crime they're dealing with. So there is definitely a need for these civilians. Or Absolutely. they can help, you know, detectives, 
go get video or something like that. You know, it's there's there's definitely a place for this. Hundred percent. Any, anything absolutely. that's not going to have them right in face to face with a suspect, because that's we we know that that's not going to work. Mm-hmm. And and you're not going to get an argument from clearing corners or anybody else that's here. I think we're all on the same page. They have their place. And so if you want to hire these, these civilian, quote unquote, civilian investigators, that's great because Cam, if you remember, there's a lot of times where we were like, man, we, we have to do this administrative stuff and we can't be pounding the pavement and really uh, investigating and doing everything. Chris, you, same thing. You understand that there, it, it takes a lot of time on the administrative side. We are not saying that this is bad but when you try to push this issue to the your to your city, and that's what he's doing, is like, oh, this is a trailblazing idea. It's not a trailblazing idea. This is not a new concept. What you've just done is eliminated 30 abled bodies to to put a badge on, fight crime for your city, and and basically hired 35 secretaries. On well, those 30 positions too, so that you know the listeners can have an idea of what happens here. You eliminate 30 sworn positions, that, that's 30 police officers now that, that aren't out on the streets, right? Those positions get taken away from your proactive units. Baltimore is being rocked by torn, unprecedented violence, right? Reactive police work is not going to solve that. No, sir. It never has, and it never will. No. You have to be proactive when it comes to that violence. Unfortunately, this plan that they, they've implemented and are planning to implement is going to take away from your proactive units that can get out there and make a difference with the violence. Your, your gun uh, crime units, your gang units, your drug units. Right, right. Those, are the, those are the proactive guys, the proactive police officers that are pounding the pavement trying to stop the violence from happening. Exactly. Not re- reacting to the violence as it's going to come. Because, you know... You're not going to lose, like, obviously you lose officers when you, when you cut that. But the first to go are those proactive units. Absolutely. And those proactive yeah. units are going to have your biggest, biggest impact on that violence. Well, and when you cut positions, you can't, for, for people to understand, is you can cut these 30 positions and say a month from now you say, oh, that was a bad idea. Let's go get those. You can't just go and get positions again it has to go through a process with budget and all of those types of things there's 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 a lot that has to get dealt with in this and yeah you you hire 30 civilians you can't just turn around and fire 30 i mean i guess you could but generally you don't you you can get rid of the civilian investigators a lot quicker and train them a lot faster than what you can train a a body on the street we know the type of training that goes into being ready to be on the street and it's not quick, just like Cam said. It, it is not a quick process. No, it is not. And at some point, you know, we'll get staffing back to law enforcement at some point. I don't know when that'll be. You know, we're obviously dealing with the nation. There's just a lot of issues going on. But we know now, well, we already knew. But people are starting to realize that defending is not an option. You have the, and we're not getting into politics, but you have the the president and his staff who has since switched to we need to fund the police more. more. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I got an article here from the Baltimore Sun that actually interviewed from that district they talked about earlier being the most violent. They interviewed a thousand people, you know, statistics. I know how mad is with them. Mm. I don't know how they identified the thousand people, but this is the most a lot um, of variables, a lot of variables. Yeah, this is the most, uh, you know, 
crime written with these aggravated offenses. And they interviewed a thousand people, um, and only thirty percent of those um, wanted defunding police. So seventy percent from this this area that is just being riddled with crime and all sorts of stuff, um, where we're usually told, you know, Black Lives Matter movement and stuff like that uh, doesn't want police there and wants them defunded, is actually the opposite because they know they are the ones that are getting hurt. They know that their neighborhood is not safe. They know that their family life and their every day in and day out life, even by just taking a walk is going to be put at risk. That's why there is such a heavy, we want them here. Yep. And I don't, that, well, that's, you, that's you, been consistent everywhere in the nation. You mm-hmm. pound the pavement and you talk to the individuals living in these communities that are dealing with this violence. And you get statistics like that. They're saying, no, we need, the, we need the police here. We need to fund the police because look at what we're dealing with. Your defund the police movement comes from your vocal minorities that are out there buying million-dollar houses with yeah. the funds that, that they're collecting. Yeah. How is the violence in Baltimore affecting them? Like, the, Obviously, the opposite has to be the case. You have to fund your police departments. You have to give your officers adequate training. You have to, you have to do what you need to to get quality candidates and get guys on the street to be able to curb that kind of violence. Yeah. And we're going to break it down here. Here's something that actually uh, irritated me as I'm going through the article, you know, there's some things I'll get on board with. Again, this is not trailblazing. This is not new. They're not uh, inventing the peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Civilian investigators are out there. They've been out there. They've been out there for a long time, helping department to department do low level crime type stuff. But this is how it was pitched to the people of Baltimore. Because again, the key was the 35 and 30. Remember that. It's not the positions themselves. If they came out and said, we're going to hire 35 additional civilian investigators, you would have me all the the way over here giving a thumbs up and saying, good job. Mm -hmm. But the fact that they're doing it in lieu of 30 vacant, we're not going to refill them. And then to the people of Baltimore, they say, and this is a quote from the, the mayor, And he's talking about this this new policy. This is about allowing our sworn folks to be focused on what our residents want them to be focused on. And that's the violence that is happening in the city, the mayor said. Allowing the civilians to do administrative functions, we can then focus our wonderful sworn folks out on the streets of Baltimore, which we know will have an impact. And then he goes on to talk about... um, frequency uh, speed and frequency is what he mentions saying that by allowing these 35 administrative investigators to come in lower level crimes will be handled at a higher uh, speed and frequency which in turn will deter crime and it blew my I was like yeah I'd, for real I, I don't think like so. for real when was the last time Let's, let's be honest, and for our listeners, we're really going to break it down for you. We're talking low-level crimes. And if we're talking low-level crimes, we are talking misdemeanors. Mm-hmm. And the majority of the misdemeanors not committed in the presence of a police officer will be a what? It'll be a sight and release. Nope. Now, you tell me how that's deterring bigger things within your city. If at a higher speed and frequency... You are handling low-level crimes, and these are civilians. These are civilians. So it's definitely yeah, not exactly. a physical arrest. It, it is definitely. No, not. it's it's going to be a summons to court. This is, is what it is. This sounds like them trying to take the broken windows theory 
and try to like flip it upside down. Okay. Oh my uh, gosh. That's, yeah, you right? know, when you're reading that to me, that's what it sounds like. Yep. The broken, for those of you who don't know, the broken windows theory is kind of like address the littler things and the bigger things won't be as, you know, prevalent. That's not but, how this works. But, and that's not yeah. how it works either. Like with law enforcement, when we talk about broken windows theory, we talk about the proactive units that are addressing the, the juveniles in the park after dark. Uh, just those little things where they realize, yeah, cases. Mm-hmm. we're taking care of everything. But that's your police, your mark units hitting the pavement and showing we're not putting up with that. Mm-hmm. That's not a, a letter sent to the house you lived in 15 uh, months ago that you're being summoned to court that you never yeah. get. You know, exactly. like, it's like <laughs> hey, we, we caught you on this retail theft. By the way, this is definitely you in the video. Show up to court. We're serious. <laughs> we're serious about this. Make sure you don't steal from another store. That's not how this works. And, and yes, we're making light of it because this is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. This is absolute, this mindset, there's no way that the top officials, I, I, some, someday, Cam, someday we're going to get to a point where we're going to be able to interview these quote unquote high officials and with, it, with people that know how the system works, I will ask them and say, there's no way you signed off on this. No way you, you came up with this idea. This is not how police work works. This is not going to bring the, the violent crime rate in the city down. Mm-hmm. This is not. Now, if you have some detectives and some officers that are like, this is so petty. This, this dude wants to report a vehicle burg. He left his doors open. Um, there's no forced entry and someone stole $50 out of his car. I can't, I have better things to do than that. Yes. Believe me, I understand that when you're dealing, especially in a city like Baltimore, when there is so much violent crime, homicide rates are through the roof, rapes, carjacking, aggravated assaults. I understand. I get it. I feel from a, an officer, from a detective standpoint, like, yeah, you have to prioritize at times. But this mm-hmm. is ridiculous to try to defund your police. You are not refilling 30 positions with the badge and then trying to sell it to your city. Like by doing this, we're going to get ahead of crime. That's not how it works. And what he said, you know, is, you know, the civilian investigators will, will be able to focus on cases um, and give our men in uniform behind the badge, the opportunity to get out there and address some of these other uh, violent cases, which I mean, it's not entirely wrong. I mean, yeah, these civilian investigators will take some load off of patrol officers and other detectives with the the minor crime. But again, your problem facing your city isn't that minor crime right now. Mm -mm. And and your officers that you're freeing up with, again, you have to find ways to fund your proactive units to curb and get behind that violence. That's the only way that's going to happen. I'm now, now think about this. You, you both are currently on SWAT. I, I'm a former has-been, okay? But we all have that SWAT experience. Now, you think about specialty units, right? You think about a unit that um, can be called out and, and stack up in a stick. And for those that don't know what I mean, it's, it's special assignments within a six- to seven-person team where you're going to go in and, and take action. Think about what 30 sworn positions can do for specialty proactive units for the city of Baltimore. Think of all the districts. Think of five different proactive units that they could do with that 30 uh, 
vacant position elimination. Think about what they can do to that. Well, and to give, paint a picture for the listeners how this works, right? So when we talk about a proactive unit, you have reactive, you have proactive. Your reactive unit is your patrol officers. You call 911, you need help. It's it's a reactive officer that's coming. They're responding. Responding yeah. to take that call. They they don't have the time to sit, especially in a place like Baltimore, to sit and focus on areas that are being plagued with violence. Now, you can right. push more patrol units into that area and hopefully be able to curb some of it, but they're, they're still having to respond to those robberies in progress, those domestic mm-hmm. violence calls that are coming in. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody just carjacked me and, and took my car. All those, anything you can think of that's coming in to a city like Baltimore through their dispatch center, their 911 center, your reactive units are having to respond to that. So they don't have time to sit in those neighborhoods that are having a higher concentration of violence. So you, you get, as, as you break down the data and, and you, you look at, okay, where, where are a majority of our, our armed robberies taking place? Where are a majority of our shootings taking place? That's the type of civilian homicide. work that can be yes. done. Exactly. At, at the computer, doing the research. And exact, all police yep. departments will look at that data and say, okay, well, we've got a problem in this specific neighborhood, so let's dump some. Let's put a team out let, there. Let's, let's dump resources into that. Absolutely. Well, like I said, you can dump patrol and reactive units into that area. They're going to res- be responding to but different calls. they're going to be yeah, responding they... after the fact. You have to put your reactive units into those spots. Right. That's where that data becomes important because it's, okay, this neighborhood is plagued with these, these violent crimes, so let's put these proactive units in there to now start hounding those street-level dope cells. Yeah. And and now we're, we're, we're getting out and we're contacting gang members and, and doing those pat- the, the, you know, those pat downs and those frisks right. and looking for those right. guns and taking guns off the street. That's what's going to stop. Your and life. that's what the 70% wants of what Cam was talking about earlier. This is thousand people. That type of statistic is in line with the nation, which I can get behind. There's a lot of, you know, Cam mentioned it. Statistics is what variables are you talking about? I'm not always going to get behind quote unquote statistics, but I can get behind that because I have knowledge of it. I've done study after study after study or, or research on study after study after study. Um, and that 70% is those are the people that want the proactive units in their neighborhoods, taking care of the guns, taking care of the drugs, taking care of the individuals that are committing these violent crimes yeah. in those districts and on the streets of Baltimore. And the other thing to look into is the, and, and we're not trying to dig too much deep into this, but it is something to at least think about the incentives for being an officer there. We're talking about proactive stuff, right? Um, you think about officers on the East Coast, pretty much the whole East Coast was getting plagued with the whole um, defund police, get rid mm-hmm. of qualified immunity, stuff like that. If you're if you're a city that was, you know, kind of jumping on board with that, if your elected officials are jumping on board with that, your officers aren't going to want to go put themselves out there to be proactive and those types of things because qualified immunity, you stop someone and they say, hey, you just stopped me because of my race or my uh, religion or something like that. And suddenly you can be sued for, mm. you know, something that should Violating be, someone's rights. And, yeah, yeah, and that shouldn't be a thing. So you have to think about stuff like that. They need to start, if they want to think outside the box, they need to start thinking about, we need to protect these officers so they can do their job. Mm. They're getting paid enough 
they're being covered as far as, you know, so long as they're not, you know, we've talked about qualified immunity recently. If they're not um, violating people's rights, obviously, then they should be covered. Mm -hmm. And then they can feel they can feel comfortable that they can go out and do their job again. But I, I wouldn't be out there. I might put myself in a situation where I'm a proactive unit going after guns and I get put into a position where I have to use deadly force off of a proactive stop or something like that. And suddenly I'm the next headline on officer uses deadly force on a traffic stop. Absolutely. And the other focus on the other part of that too, you talked about um, violating rights, obviously on on a proactive side, you're out there digging, trying to stop the crimes from happening. And when I talked about earlier, I mentioned Pat, you know, pat downs and, and, Terry, Terry Frisks, frisks. Yeah. looking for guns. If you have knowledge. You That gang member is known to carry a gun. You go stop him. You do that Terry Frisk. You know, we're talking Terry versus Ohio. It's it's the case that gives officers the ability to, based off reasonable suspicion, mm-hmm. pat down an individual for dangerous weapons. It's not a search. You're not digging into clothes and pockets and looking for whatever. It, it's simply a pat down to ensure they don't have a weapon as right. you're dealing with them. And the reactive officers cannot, I mean, they do that on the incidents that they are responding to, but with the difference with what you're talking about in the proactive units, they are the ones initiating that. They're initiating those as they're out dealing with these crimes. They're, they're watching stuff happen. They, you know, if they, they're sitting in a car in an unmarked vehicle, watching a corner where that's been plagued with violence over the last weekend, known drug house, whatever. and, And they see what, what they reasonably believe is a hand-to-hand dope deal, you're going to go out and you're going to stop those individuals. Right. And you're going to address it. And at part of that is you're going to do that, that Terry Frisk. Right. You find a gun on them, you pull off that gun, and he's a convicted felon, or Baltimore's case, you can't even be carrying a gun. You have them. You've now. got teeth. You've got a yeah, crime. You, I mean, and that's where teeth, qualified immunity right is going to come into play because that guy's going to argue, you violated my rights. You did an illegal search. Oh. If an officer doesn't feel like my city's going to back me and my department's not going to back me and I don't have qualified immunity to go out there and be proactive, your violence is never going to get curbed. Well, it's going to stop because those actions are going to stop and officers are going to be afraid to take those actions because your your city officials, um, your city prosecutors, everything, they're, they're not going to back you. And officers are going to take uh, five steps, ten steps back and say, listen, I, I have a family to take care of. Yeah. Yep. I, I'm not going to do that. Yep. Yep. Officers and, have said that. They'll be kind of like the firefighter mindset, right? We'll wait for the call. Yeah. yeah. Just wait at the station. Yeah. Call us. We'll respond. Let us know when we need Put to Put up go some in. crime scene yeah. tape and uh, we'll, we'll ask people what happened. Bring in the civilian investigators. That's right. And that, that's hard. Obviously, I come... You know, a majority of my career I've spent in uh, in proactive units, and I've seen the good that comes from good proactive police work mm-hmm. and what it does yeah. for communities. And, and and it's it's tough to hear that, but again, spending majority of my career in proactive units, I get it. Because if we didn't have the backing we did from our city officials, from our police department, from our community overall, I wouldn't feel like going out there and doing the proactive work that we do. No. And, and to be honest with you, all the quote unquote low level crimes, like I appreciate them at least uh, thinking outside the box and saying, we need this, you know, to lighten the load of our current officers. Again, they just miss the ball yeah. with why they're doing it. It's not additional positions that they're, they, they are eliminating 30, 
filling 35, they're not going to do the same job. And that's, that's tough to deal with. And that's tough to stomach. Um, are they going to train them? Yes. Within this article, they said they'll, they'll train them on state and local laws and things like that. But again, you're, you're talking about an administrative position. This is not out there pounding the pavement. I think they missed the ball on that one. hundred percent. So I don't know if, uh, I, they, again, if, if you listen to the mayor, he, he thinks that this is going to be a gold standard for the nation to follow. And I'm going to tell you right now, not with your current setup. This is not how you do it. Mm-mm. That's going to, that, I mean, that's my personal take on it. It's great Civilian to have Absolutely. Absolutely. On top They're, of your sworn. Absolutely. Do not defund and take away 30 sworn and twist it to your city that this is a good thing and a trailblazing idea that law enforcement nationwide is going to follow. I don't know about you guys, but that's not how it's going to get done. Nope. Nope. So. Phoenix way. Add the positions on top. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. With that, we hope you enjoyed it. We're going to continue to clear these corners. Beat these by Dallas, make it hurt.